Chip Tam and football. That's what Pittsburgh does. What's up, everybody? Brian Batko back with you again from the Post-Gazette. Ple- uh, pleased to be joined today by Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan, KDK FM. You, you hear him everywhere. You read him everywhere. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for being a first-time guest on yeah. my own uh, PG vehicle here. So, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of uh, Steelers off-season news to get into today. But first, as always, this show is presented by Pella. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella. They can help you save energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella, windows and doors of Pittsburgh. And Jeff, Monday, uh, Steelers made a flurry of moves. First, it kind of trickled out that one we all sort of expected, Mitch Trubisky will not be back in 2024, probably the best for all parties there, but also Chooks Okorafor and, and Presley Harvin released as well and I, I wanted to bring you on because I mean you like me you're always in the locker room on the south side and these three guys have been mainstays in there I mean Trubisky for only two years but Harvin for three and Chooks for six which is kind of hard to believe at, at this point but um, you know what was sort of your initial reaction to those three uh, the timing of it and just sort of maybe what it means for the Steelers going forward at those positions. Do you think Tomlin, by the way, says, you know, get on the moving train? Like, seriously, no, that, see that train, like, get on it right now. Yeah, uh, it's like, the, this is more, yeah, it's, or it's like, you know, hey, your train stops here, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I do think, though, there is probably a matter of respect here that both, all three of these guys can now go into the offseason, the early portions of it with clarity that no one's stringing me along here. It's it's time to find a new team. Basically. Yeah, and I would think all probably suspected, um, especially Chooks. I mean, we both talked to him. I, I like the man. I, I, I mean, but he had to know the minute that Broderick took that position um, that he was going to find employment elsewhere, much like Kevin Dotson knew once they brought in Isaac Sayamalu, like, I don't have a job here anymore. Yeah. So I, I think that's an 8.7 million savings in cap that that kind of helps that along. And I don't know that many of us even expected Chooks to come back in the first place, right? Like I think a lot of people thought it was a foregone conclusion after that rookie deal expired that he was just, you know, going to go try his luck somewhere else. And I think we were all kind of stunned that that year, uh, you know, two off seasons ago, the first domino to fall for the O-line was bringing back Chooks on that three-year deal. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I mean, if you love PFF and who doesn't when it falls in your favor, uh, he's the highest rated tackle of the three on the Steelers roster or, or who were on the Steelers roster. And he was ranked higher than both Broderick Jones and Dan Moore. Um, but I, I think that was that was the right move, especially when you consider the salary cap implications. Um, Presley Harvin surprised me a little just because they continued to hang on to him. It's like they, they kept waiting for where's this kid from Georgia Tech? That was so good, and it just never worked for him. And I know he dealt with some personal stuff, and that really stinks. Uh, but bottom line was on the field. And don't you get that sense, Brian, that when they saw Brad Wing come in and punt for almost a yard and a half better average and his limited opportunities that they probably opened their eyes of, okay. And then, you know, the big defense, especially from, you know, Steelers people, is like, oh, this guy can hold like nobody's business. Well, I mean, a lot of people can hold. We saw it in the Super Bowl with a couple of really good holds on kicks. Um, 
I mean, you can find someone. It's not like that's such a unique skill that only yeah. he can do it. I mean, they I think it was more about him being an integral part of the operation with Boswell and, and Christian Kuntz, and he had a good chemistry with those guys, and they've worked together for three years. And you know, Bos was having a, a career season, so maybe you don't want to really mess around with that much at all unless you have to. But, but of course, I mean, I think the, the move that Tomlin made to even bring Brad Wing back to the practice squad right before the playoff game, I mean, I – tried to ask him about that and he looked at me like I had two heads (laughs) but obviously it was a precursor to how they felt about Harvin in the big picture I don't think they would have even added a another leg to can't uh to practice that week if they felt truly confident about him going into the Buffalo wild card game and you know I I don't know what machinations took place behind the scenes to evaluate like hey is it worth throwing wing out there in this weather are we just going to ride with Presley but put that pressure on them. Um, but clearly they weren't real happy with the way he was producing. And, and, and before we get into Mitch Trubisky, like let's stay on the Harvin thing for a second, because I think he is yeah. someone who's been a hot button. And I, I always like talking about the specialists. I mean, sometimes you know, people laugh sometimes it's like, who cares? It's a punter or a snapper <laughs> or whatever, but it's, it's who cares until it fails to flip field position in a big game, or it, it sets an opponent up with a short field. So, you mentioned the kid at Georgia Tech, the one who won the Ray Guy Award, the one who positioned himself to be worthy of a draft pick, albeit a seventh rounder. What do you think went wrong with Harbin? I mean, you know, you were you've been around at pretty much every practice and training camp uh, punting session these last three years. I mean, do you think it was did he overachieve in college? Did he just not have the you know wherewithal to to have that consistency? In the NFL, and obviously, you mentioned you know the tragic passing of his uh, of his dad and, and grandpa around the same 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 time as well. That can't be easy for any athlete to to deal with and compartmentalize. It's didn't he seem like a guy that seemed like he had figured it all out? Like and such a nice it. guy too. I mean, he was a very yeah. easy person to approach yeah. in the locker room, and, and the punters usually are. But he he had a great story too, being one of the few black punters. I mean, he he had you know, the, the beefy punter, uh, you know, juice behind him too. He had the trick play in college. So he was a fun guy, I think for fans to root for and embrace. And it just, uh, it didn't work out, even though, like you said, it seemed early this season. I remember I wrote about it. I thought he had his breakout game sort of against the, uh, you know, the Browns. And then it just sort of, yeah, it, it backslid on him again. He never had the consistency and it's not, I mean, we see them as much as punters work and practice. I mean, he worked, he worked on his holding. I think he beca- he did. I mean, I kind of joked about it, but he did become a very good holder, and that's something that that he worked on, and that is something he did do consistently. It just didn't work. I mean, like I remember, it was a couple of days into him being on the Southside facility his rookie year, and he had that charger with his autograph on the side of it, and I'm thinking that's interesting. You know, that I mean, he was obviously confident. Maybe he got too confident in in what he was doing and didn't put in some of the work that was needed um, outside of practice that he should have done. Um, but it was something that had to be done. I mean, you think with the Steelers offense, with the struggles they had, if they could have had more directional kicking, if they could have pinned a couple of opponents deep, which, yeah, he had kicks inside the 20 on his stat line, but it never seemed to be at the right moment when they needed something. Someone, you know, can we flip a field or can we have a, you know, pin somebody deep? He just never seemed to be able to do it at that moment. And, the Brad Wink thing almost smells to me of like, all right, we're going to go Belichick here. We're going to bring him in. We're going to put the pressure. Let's see if he can last chance 
you know, perform under pressure. And uh, alas, he was not able to do that. And it seemed like he never really uncorked a long one either. I mean, it it's just, no. uh, it makes you wonder too a little bit. I think, you know, Jordan Berry, they stuck with him for a long time too, even when his numbers were, you know, middle of the pack to below average around the league and they, and they were comfortable with him. And then eventually Harvin gets drafted and unseats him. You know, maybe they, I, I've been kind of pounding the table for a while. Wouldn't it help to have an assistant special teams coach? And they've had guys in that role sort of unofficially over the past few seasons. You know, Blaine Stewart was one of them uh, who's now at West Virginia, I think. But, um, you know, when your punters are, are coming in with a lot of, uh, you know, pedigree and, and whatnot, and then they don't really develop uh, that. Uh, I'm not saying Danny Smith's doing a bad job, but maybe you just need another set of eyes on that unit, especially if, and I know they're, Already, some uh, you know fans and analysts thinking, go draft another punter because there's a it, it, you know there's at least one really good one in this class, the the kid from Iowa, which you know being the punter at Iowa is is sort of like being trained in, in war at a young position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of uh, you you sink or swim doing that. You'll get exposed really quick if you can't punt for a Ference offense. But um, even beyond him, I think there are some other big legs in this class. But you know, what good is it if you can't get sort of a young punter and mold him uh and with Harvin you know you're right I don't think it would have even done any good to sort of keep him around for another training camp because I think it was kind of plain to see yeah he can do it in practice and he can hold off uh newcomers he can hold off NFL veterans but when it comes time to do it in a game that's where it all just sort of falls apart for him yeah and I think Wing gets an opportunity I mean he's done it in the league he he kind of had a rebirth of his career in the XFL so he I mean he I think he gets a chance. And I think, too, if you're the Steelers and you're looking at what Wing did, but you're also probably looking at Corliss Waitman, who who they had, who is averaging over, what, two yards a kick more with the Jets. And at the time, they were probably having discussions like, man, we should keep this kid. No, let's, let's you know, they obviously ended up staying with Harvin. Uh, I do think there are other punters out there, and they will find someone, whether they just stay with a, with a Brad Wing or go with somebody from this rookie class. Well, the last thing I'll say about Harvin, the most disappointing thing um, for me, per, obviously for him, a lot of it's disappointing. But for us on the outside, we never got to see him throw a pass. We never got to see him <laughs> do a fake punt or a fake field goal or anything, fake extra point. Uh, that that seems like a real missed opportunity for a memorable Steelers play, unfortunately. So. Just the ones that we saw that we couldn't re- we couldn't report on. Yeah, and now now those days too are are going to be over, but. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the Mitch Trubisky move, which, again, not unexpected, but sort of the timing of it. And maybe we can get into what went wrong with Mitch as well, because uh, as as a friend texted me yesterday, like, what was your favorite moment of the Trubisky era? Uh, It was was comparable to some of the pit quarterbacking eras that you lived through over these last couple of years. We'll be right back with Jeff Hathorne. All right. Mitch Trubisky was here and gone two seasons. He'll always be the trivia question of the first Steelers quarterback to take a snap or start a game post Ben Roethlisberger. Didn't take long before he gave way to Kenny Pickett. Uh, I guess, first of all, Jeff and and Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan and and KDKA and Odyssey. um, Were you surprised at all? Were you one of the people who thought maybe there was a chance they would bring 
Mitch back because you don't have Mason Rudolph necessarily in the fold. He's got his rapport with Kenny. He's got his rapport with the coaches and he's moving into a, you know, full-time backup role where you kind of just like being booed off the field was enough of a, you know, ignominious end to his time here that just, like I said at the top, for everybody's sake, just just rip the Band-Aid off and let's try to pretend this never happened. Yeah, I think it was more of that. I mean, did I say 100% that he would be gone? No, because I kept like that much for what you were saying and the fact that his cap hit this year, the cap savings is only $3 million for this season. So if you really wanted to keep some consistency keeping him, of course, you saved six, $6 million in 2025 by jettisoning his, uh, his salary. Um, but no, I'm not surprised. It just never seemed to work. And, you know, I think, Brian, of where he came, he comes here from Buffalo, anointed basically the starter. This was going to be his second chance. This was going to be it. It was a new offense. You're the guy replacing Roethlisberger. Let's go all in. And it just, I mean, from early on, it just didn't, it didn't work. And in Mitch's defense, one game against Carolina, I mean. Yeah. And in his defense, that was all brought up to him when he signed here, I'm sure. But then a month and a half later, you've got the first round pick sort of casting a large shadow over you. So, you know, that's not to say that he didn't play poorly most of the time when he got his opportunities. And that's not to say that he should have been playing over Kenny Pickett uh, in 2022 or anything like that. But I'd say, you know, if, if I'm somebody out there trying to defend him in any way or maybe pitch him to his next team, uh, he was sort of uh, put behind the eight ball quite literally, given Kenny Pickett's jersey number uh, early on uh, from his time in in Pittsburgh. And yeah, I mean, it was uh, there was really no turning back on, you know, first he got booed and chanted for Kenny to take over for him. And then he was getting booed for Mason Rudolph to to take over for him. So I don't think there was really any because because if you bring him back, you, you have to do so with the knowledge of, hey, there's a chance this guy gets back out on the field for us. And there might have been literal pitchforks flying from the stand at Acrisure Stadium had that ever come to pass. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a uh, it was a failure of a bridge from Roethlisberger to the next uh, franchise quarterback. And clearly uh, the jury is out whether they found that next franchise quarterback. And it's it's you know not coming back with right. favorable results to this point. But uh, the, the Trubisky uh, train through Pittsburgh, as was known on a our, our friends Cook and Joe's show on your station, uh, it, it it turned out to be a, uh, a failure to launch of a mission for sure. Yeah, and I mean, listen, if I'm his agent, I just say, did you see the Steelers offense? Like, do you know who Matt Canada is? And you can blame it all on Canada and say, listen, my guy still can play, but he was in a bad system. He didn't have enough talent around him. The offensive line was inconsistent. All of those things would be true. And I think he'll get another opportunity with somebody but not to be a starter. Now he, he's going to battle to be a backup and stay in the league because he's got the arm strength. He's got the legs. He's got the things that, in, that intrigued the Steelers two years ago. Um, and and I don't think it's out of his hand. Like when you watch him in practice or camp, yeah. like just side by side throwing next to Kenny Pickett. I mean, you can kind of see why one guy was the second overall pick and the other was the 20th, but there's other aspects of playing the position uh, that, that Trubisky just hasn't yeah. mastered. And to your point, yeah, I mean, yes, you can say, look, the Canada – experiment in Pittsburgh went even worse than the Trubisky one but you know he got a lot of people to sort of doubt Matt Nagy too in Chicago I think there there does come to a point now where it's sort of like okay what's the common denominator here between a couple different offensive coaches um you know maybe 
maybe it's you. And revisionist history is always easy to play. Jacoby Brissett, I think, was available uh, a couple years ago in that same offseason cycle. And even last year, it would have made a lot of sense to just not extend him at all and, and cut him after one season. But I just don't think the human dynamic for the Steelers as an organization was going to let them do that. I think they were all about the consistency last offseason. You bring Canada back, you know, you bring Trubisky back. Let's keep it. Let's keep it on the right path for Kenny. We feel like he's building something based on the comeback wins that he had in the second half of his rookie season. You kind of felt like there may be something growing with this offense, and you, you wanted to keep Mitch there because Mitch, not that he understood his role because he always wanted to be a starter, but he could play nice with others. And to your point, he, he seemed to be able to get along uh, with Kenny. And I think this too, if, if you keep him this year and Mason signs elsewhere, not that you make your decisions based on fan reaction, but the fans would always be like, why did you keep this guy and not Mason? So he would never get a fair shake, even if he was decent. It would, I mean, it would always be, you know, glass half empty with Mitch Trubisky. It was just the right decision. And, I, and to your early point, I think they actually do him a solid by making the move here. So it allows him some time to create some opportunities or talk to other teams to see where his best fit is. I remember two years ago when uh, the Steelers signed him, a lot of people were speculating he'd go up to the Giants and reunite with Brian Dable, uh, where he spent that year in in Buffalo behind Josh Allen. So maybe that's still in the cards for him. It's not like Daniel Jones is a world beater or anything like that. As There there are worse backup quarterbacks in the league. I mean, look at some of the guys we saw this year. I mean, Trubisky's an upgrade. If you need him for a game, like the Carolina game, you need him for a game, uh, he can – he could win you a game. Uh, if you need him for six, that's uh, probably not ideal. And I guess that's the other sort of uh, double-edged sort of it is, you know, right now one of the defenses of Kenny Pickett to those who still believe is let's see him in a real system. Different situations, obviously, but Trubisky's not getting that same sort of uh, plausible deniability to, to get another year here to be also with uh, Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator. Jeff, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask uh, – when you showed up to work Monday and Ron Cook wasn't in the building, was it sort of like that scene in Goodwill Hunting where Ben Affleck goes up to Matt Damon's front door and he sees that he's not there? He just left without telling anybody and he just does a little silent fist pump. So I'll tell you an interesting story. We were there for the end of his show on Friday. and The general manager, program director Craig Riley, a bunch of other people were there and we all clapped. And it was funny, like Ron had his stuff in his hands. He walked out of the studio door and then straight out the door, like gone forever. Like most guys, you hang around, you say hi to this. Like he just, it's like, like he went through the tunnel entering a stadium. He's singularly focused, as Mike Tomlin would say. I mean, he went out the door, down the steps, and he was gone. And and people were coming over like, hey, where's Ron at? And like, (laughs) he left. Like, you missed him. Left. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is weird. Uh, as as much as he and Joe would occasionally have disagreements, I'm sure Joe feels very alone in that studio. Joe feels a lot of things, but I'm sure alone <laughs> is one of them today. This is a very, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a very confusing emotion uh, for <laughs> for our buddy Starkey. So uh, yeah, and as we know, Ron is, uh, and as he says said many times, he's not very active on Twitter. He's not looking at his uh, replies or mentions. So. Might be a while till we hear from him again, unless he uh, has some sort of Seinfeld observation or uh, who knows, maybe he'll get the itch. But 
uh, based on your little anecdote there, Jeff, I uh, I don't get that sense. So it's also our, uh, I guess, officially our second day without him at the Post-Gazette. If you didn't see his farewell column Sunday, make sure to to check that out. It's it's really, my dad's not a big sports fan, but like he even texted me about it and he was like, and obviously he knows who Ron is, but he's like, man, that's really impressive, all the stuff that he did over the years. It is, when you see it laid out like that, it's quite a career. Yeah, he said it was hard to do. Like it took him days to do it because he would kind of get emotional with some things and have to stop and work back. I mean, one of the things that people probably have heard stories here over the last past week about Ron was, you know, he would always pace yeah, back and forth, back and forth. And occasionally, you know, there might be some audible Gruntings that come out. We want to say, or else this podcast will have to never see the light of day. But right, but uh, yeah, he was always like he was always singularly focused. Like he could. That's how he found his place. Like some people put headphones on, or you go to a different part of a room. He would pace back and forth, and I imagine he did a ton of pacing at his place, his old place in Cranberry, as he was working on that final column. Talk about another place that's going to feel a void. All of his uh, usual haunts up in, oh. in Cranberry now are, are going to have an empty stool, huh? Yes, very much so. And, and I think if he does come back, he'll probably go there and probably <clears throat> never walk back into our studio or into the newsroom at the Post-Gazette. Uh, I think that will be – he'll go straight there and won't even know he's in town. <laughs> there you go. He's Lee. He left town around the same time as Mitch Trubisky – Jukes Okorafor and, and Presley Harvin. They all they all kind of went out together as a class, the class of 2024, I guess. So yes, he was the only one that was, you know, not because of performance or cap hit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a cap casualty uh in, in Rock Cook's case. But uh well, hey, thanks so much for doing this, Jeff. Uh enjoy. You don't get much of an offseason. You'll be doing pens, you'll be uh keeping yeah. an eye on pit hoops tonight. I'm sure we've got Chris Carter and Noah Hiles down there tag teaming in Charlottesville. That's when you know it's a big game when the PG sends uh, both of our pit guys. So um, thanks. Yeah, uh, cool. thanks for, what's that? It's cool. No, you get to, I yeah. mean, you kind of keep moving. You move on to another sport. And then, oh, by the way, pitchers and catchers start on Wednesday. And I know <laughs> Jason Mackey's all over that. So yeah, yeah, he's so, already in Bradenton. So, yeah. um, well, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks yeah, to Jeff sure. Hathorn from 93.7 The Fan, KDK. FM. I'm Brian Batko. Thanks as always to you for checking us out on Chip Tam and Football here on the Post Gazette Podcast Network. Chris Carter and Ray Fittipaldo will be back with another show tomorrow on the North Shore Drive. We'll see you later. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>